The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. So the grandfather told his daughter, go basically mate with this hermit, gave rise to these sons, so they would be his grandchildren, and they were the demons, so they just got these boons. So then it says, then did Shumali the demon grandfather, come from under earth. He embraced Ravana and said, Now why fear? No god, not even Narayana, can hurt us. Lead us back to Lanka as before. Ravana sent Sumali to Lanka, and the old Rakshasha told Vaishravana, Go, this is our city now. Again, the treasure lord asked his father what to do. The old Rakshasha told Vaishravana, go, this is our city. Again, the treasure lord asked his father what to do. But don't they have the same grandfather, these two fellows? Right, different mothers, but the same father. So the treasure lord is like a, um, a stepbrother to Ravana. Okay, so again, the treasure lord asked his father what to do. Vaishrava said, don't fight your own brother. Leave Lanka as you found her. Move your treasure. Live on Kailasa Hill, north of these Himalayas. Live on Silver Mountain. So Vaishravana became the guardian god of the north, one of the four guardians of the world's four directions. Ravana moved into Lanka, and the millions of Rakshashas who had multiplied in exile underground came there with their families and animals. Old Malyavan stood blinking and smiling on Lanka's sunny beach, happy and proud of Ravana. Rakshashas went over the lands again, dark as thunderclouds, with earrings of bright gleams of gold. One day, Ravana was walking alone through the forests on the side of Trakuta Hill by his city. There he met the Ashura, Maya, standing under the trees, holding hands with a beautiful, fair-skinned girl. The Ashuras are the former gods of old. They are from before. And so that idea of the, the old gods, I think we, that's also in the Greek mythology, isn't it? The Titans. So there were Zeus and those gods, but then the older gods were the titans, and they had come before. 
And I guess they kind of receded into the background, or, and these new gods came. So, so, so we see the same thing occurring here. The Ashuras are the former gods of old. They are from before. Ravana asked, who are you? And who is this fawn-eyed girl? Maya smiled. I am, I am Maya, a poor, struggling, a poor artist struggling to survive. So that's kind of interesting. You go from being one of the great gods, and now he's, he's a poor, struggling artist. <laughs> she is, this, this, this girl is my daughter, Mandodari. Hema, the Apsara, is her mother. I lived happily in love with Hema for a thousand years, but then just after Mandodari's birth, her mother left us on some affair of the gods. Now in the sorrow of separation, we live in grief in our humble home. We wander sadly in our golden palace. Through tearful eyes, we watch the stars at night. We languish long on diamond stairways. We sigh by silver curtains and fountains of nectar. And in our 10,000 empty rooms, we hear from the trees outside the moaning of our singing wind harps strung with glass. And there we cry. So they're, they're pretty heartbroken for having lost their wife and mother. I am Ravana and your servant, said the demon king. You must be a warrior. Maya sounded more cheerful. In all truth, my boy, a daughter's father must choose between misery and dishonor. I spend all my time watching her, She has got to be given away. I have to let her marry. Long is the way, for someone must marry my daughter, but no one comes to ask for her. Her youth is passing. She is young and innocent, but who knows who may ask for her? Unmarried, she puts all our ancestry in uncertainty. Ravana, You are a handsome fellow. Your faces are quite striking. Your arms very original. Your faults surely not worth mentioning. We go out walking, but always I must bring her back home again. Like carrying my own illusion home with me. I'm just going to close this while they come in. So he says, we go out walking, but always I must bring her back home again, like carrying my own illusion home with me. What could that mean? Carrying my own illusion. Why would his daughter be an illusion to him?
Maybe because of all the, the, the hopes and dreams he, he puts on her. Possibly. And because it continues, the, the illusion continues, like when we, when we can't let go of some thoughts or we can't let go of a desire, then we carry it with us all the time and we keep living in that illusion that if just that would happen, then I'd be happy. If I just had that thing, then I'd be happy. So the fact that life doesn't move on keeps him in that, that illusion, maybe. So Ravana wed the golden-skinned daughter of illusion. He lit a fire and married her. And days later, there stood before Ravana his full-grown son, Meganda. So remember the demons, the, in the demon race, the children are born and they take immediately on the age of their mother. That was one of the things about the demons. His full-grown son, like fire released from hiding in fuel, set free to burn. Meganda had a voice like a cloud full of thunder. He changed his form and appearance at will. If he had a true form, only his mother, Mandodari, knew what it was like. So right away we see the, the power of the demon. So this demon, his power is to take any form. So you never know what you're dealing with or who it is. Then from the Himalayan hillside, Ravana and Vibhishana carried Kumbhakarna, that's the big giant brother, to Lanka as he slept. And Ravana had built over him a huge mansion of one big room like a shed. He chose the demon Prahashta as his general, and Prahashta gathered soldiers into an army. Then the demon king threw ten arms around his son and the other ten round his general, and they began to fly off with countless soldiers to destroy the worlds for days at a time. They would make many raids in the, into the Himalayan hills, and there, like the wind, they broke down trees and tore the orchards and pavilions set along the paths to heaven. Celestial musicians visiting, earth, visiting on earth were captured and eaten. Men were devoured. Ravana stole the fair maidens of every race for his warriors in Lanka. And the refugees ran to Vaishravana on Mount Kailasa. Vaishravana sent a yaksha to see Ravana in Lanka. So if you remember back when the worlds were created, Brahma created two races, the yakshas, who were the ones who worshipped the waters, and the Rakshashas were the ones who protected and guarded. And so we've seen like the Rakshasha race has kind of descended into the demons because of all their desires. So Vaishravana, who had made peace by deciding to just leave the city, Ravana came and said, I want the city. Vaishravana said, fine, 
I'll go back to the Himalayas. So now they're wreaking all this havoc. So Vaishravana sends one of the Yakshas to see Ravana. The Yaksha said, The noble treasure king hears of your bestial attacks on the innocent and asks you to remember right and wrong and not to dishonor your family. He tells you, Stop, brother, for I live near heaven and I hear the gods wish for you your destruction and seek ways to kill you. Ravana smiled. My jewel-bellied brother, he drew a sword and killed the yaksha. He sent him, in, he sent him to the kitchen to be roasted and served and his bones made into broth. And when they had eaten, Ravana and Prahasta rose into the sky. They darted north over the sea and flew over cities and streams and plains, racing to silver Kailasa. Manibhadra, the Yaksha king, saw them come and ran to stand in the gate of the treasure palace. Ravana yelled, yelled at him, surrender or die. Where's our messenger, cried Manibhadra. He's dead in the soup, cried General Prahasta. Vaishravana heard that from inside his palace and called out a, and called out a window. That does it. Kill my brother. Yakshas poured out of the palace windows. Manibhadra flew out over the walls like a hawk, following by whirling flame-crested yakshas spinning in the air, filled with the energy they had stolen from the careless treasure lovers in the big cities of men, and crying their war cries. Prahasta, the demon, killed a thousand of them, and Ravana got the rest. But Manibhadra remained under the golden, under the gateway arch of gold. His green eyes were shining. His blue hair was tied with strings of white blossom. His lavender skin was steaming. He was very strong. He frowned and stamped his feet. He waved his powerful arms and glanced from his eye corners. He pulled the palace gate from its stout hinges and flattened Prahasta with it. He grinned and sailed through the air at Ravana and hit him with his fist from above so hard the mountain shook. Manibhadra drove Ravana right down into the ground like a post, turned and saw Prahasta trying to get free, and with a magic wave of his hand put fear of loss and hope of gain into Prahasta's heart in exactly equal parts and so paralyzed him. With a magic wave of his hand, put fear of loss and hope of gain into Prahasta's heart in exactly equal parts, and so paralyzed him. So that's an interesting thing to think about in our own lives. If we want to do something or embark on something, there's the fear of loss, kind of like we talked about in the meditation, what you're going to let go of, what you're willing to let go of. 
So what you're afraid of losing, and as I was saying during the meditation, the hope of gain. So if you feel peace in your heart or you have a vision of something you'd like to do in your life, if you can hold on to that strong enough, strongly enough, then that hope gives you the, the ability to let go of those things that are holding you back. But in this case, with the magic wave of his hand, he, he paralyzed the demon by putting those exactly equal parts, the fear of the loss and the hope of the gain are equal so that you can't do anything. And so again, looking at our own lives and thinking, are we, are we kind of paralyzed? Are we stuck? And if we're stuck, the two ways out of it are either make your hope stronger, get a clearer vision of what you want to move towards, and or let, try to let go of the fear of loss. So that idea of detachment. See if you can let go of the fear of, of losing something. But as he put into the, the demon's heart equal parts, so the demon was frozen. But where is the straight, fair fight of the yakshas? And where are the tricks of illusion that rakshashas use? Ravana blinded Manibhadra with darkness and hit the yaksha king on the head with a steel mace, so hard that ever after Manibhadra's skull was dented in on the side. Manibhadra fell unconscious. The nine invisible treasures sent their spirits to carry him to safety. Vaishravana came sadly out from his palace and told Ravana, we surrender. You have conquered our world and destroyed our friendship. Take what you want, for nothing now will ever be more freely given you. I won't fight you anymore. You may take me for a coward, afraid to do wrong. Ravana pried Prahasta out from under the gate leaf, and from his brother he took the giant aerial chariot Pushpaka. All by itself the chariot rose into the sky, and riding there with Prahasta, Ravana left for Lanka, thinking himself master of all and everyone. Indra, the great god, came down from his heaven and said to Vaishravana, Your slain yakshas are flying through my sky. Ravana is your brother, but now I turn my face from him. I curse him forever. Vaishravana shook his head in wonder. He will not stop. If not, said Indra, he will be stopped. He'll be crushed. Vaishravana sighed. In ignorance, he drinks poison. In confusion, he refuses the antidote. He plans in detail his own ruin and wastes all his strength. Straight-speaking people cannot even talk at all with one so outrageous and treacherous. I could not even talk with him here.
And so there we have the, the classic, the good, the good brother, loving and kind, doesn't, doesn't want war and evil and hatred. And the, the other brother, the one who's full of treachery and malice and all that, in the short term, you see the, the victory. So a lot of times in our world, it, you look around and it seems like the people who are deceitful and tricker, trick other people and lie and cheat, that they definitely, there are times it looks like they win. But again, as, as the, the wise brother says, in ignorance he drinks poison. In confusion he refuses the antidote. He plans in detail his own ruin. And so even, even in these seeming victories, he's just he's digging his own end. And so I read about someone today in the paper. I forget what it was, but they'd been lying and tricking people for like seven years and they were finally I forget what it was it. Yeah, some investor he'd been lying and cheating people for seven years and got caught and finally convicted to like 20 years in prison. And he was just saying how the, the, he'd been living in hell. You know, he'd done all this trickery, he got what he wanted, but then he went through this, you know. And so all that trickery was just, was just laying the seeds for his eventual destruction. And so the temporary victory we see it all around us, the temporary victory of like greed and selfishness. But if you can step back and see the big picture, you can see how people are just plotting their own misery and their own destruction. Okay. All right, so I think we've figured out some things tonight. <laughs> I think a key thing is not being, not being crippled in that world of fear of loss, hope of gain, not, not finding ourselves stagnant. So letting go of the fear of loss and focusing in on where we want to go. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.